Lessons on Loss, the weekly newsletter from Hoosier Heritage Homestead. This week, our hearts have been heavy by the passing of a dear friend. The spring before Elizabeth and I got married, I took what I thought was sure to be the first job in a lifetime career of youth ministry. Fun fact, this would be my first and last job in youth ministry. It was a really cool concept job between a United Methodist Church and a Presbyterian Church in Terre Haute, Indiana. Both churches were too small to justify hiring their own youth leader, but together they were just a block away on the campus of Indiana State University. They hired me. Both churches had about five to ten youth group age kids, and every Sunday evening we would rotate between the two churches where we held youth group. Eventually, after Elizabeth and I got married in July of 2009, we took to adding a Wednesday night Bible study at our rental house on 19th Street. This is where we really got to know Gail. Gail and her husband Tim have three wonderful children. Their oldest two, Jacob and Samantha, were always faithful to come to both youth group and our house. Their youngest son, Will, was too young for youth group at the time, but was a wonderful kid who has grown into a fine young man. We grew very close during our time together. We watched Jacob play varsity baseball before graduating and heading off to the Ohio State to play for the Buckeyes. We also caught some of his games when he traveled with the Terre Haute Rex. Samantha was a theatrical star. We were always excited to see her act in plays like Grease, Don Quixote, and The Diary of Anne Frank. We became very close. Gail became a wonderful friend and and advocate for us. Gail was a beautiful, creative, hilariously funny, eclectic. She was an advertising director, wife, mother, and friend. She lost her battle with brain cancer last week, and her loss is hard to swallow. You may have joined us on this journey with the homestead thinking we would just share chicken candling videos or farmhouse renovation updates and gardening advice. In fact, whether on a homestead or in an apartment, regardless of living in the country or in the city, life has great opportunities for joy and pleasure but we must also deal with the reality of loss. We choose to be willingly to open discuss, openly discuss and experience both. Occasionally, as Elizabeth and I were both growing up, we would receive comments from people that would, we would meet. They would call us things like old souls or mature beyond our years. And I don't share this in a braggadocious way, but rather we both know why people treated us, noticed that we were different. We both went through experiences as kids that felt like we bypassed adolescent bouts of immaturity and propelled us into leadership roles of responsibilities. For those of you who don't know, Elizabeth and I, we both share membership in a club that neither of us wanted to join. Both of us lost brothers when we were children. When Elizabeth was three, she and her brother Nathan were at an in-home daycare like every weekday while her parents both worked. Nathan was put down to take a nap in his crib and simply never woke up. The family would find out that Nathan passed away from sudden infant death syndrome, or SIDS. There was nothing to prepare them for receiving such devastating news. In February of 2000, I was a seventh grader at Clay City Junior Senior High School. 
I remember I was eating a salad at lunch, a very rare occurrence to be sure, when the school secretary told me to come to the office when I was finished eating. My mind started racing about what I was in trouble for. Probably something to do with the bus ride, I remember thinking, because I was always getting mixed up in bus drama. When I went to the office, my little sister Ressa was there. They had brought her over from the elementary school. I remember before they took us back into a conference room, I knew something bad must have happened. My grandpa Carl had cancer, and I started mentally preparing myself for news about him. When we entered the conference room, we were greeted by our parents, our minister, and some of my parents' friends from church. I remember taking a deep breath as my parents started to convey that they had some news for us. My dad, through tears, simply said, Matthew, my 19-year-old brother, died last night. He had epilepsy that was generally under control with medication, but that night he had a seizure and passed away. We both lost the people we were closest to in life. I wish these were the only times that the sting of loss would reach us, but we all know that that can't be. We have both experienced losing great-grandparents and grandparents, distant relatives, and Elizabeth's Uncle Don. Elizabeth and I have also experienced the pain of going through a miscarriage. In October of 2018, we were at the end of our first trimester with our fourth pregnancy. I remember watching the Chicago Cubs playing in the wildcard game for the playoffs when Elizabeth told me something was wrong. We went the next day to the doctor and confirmed we were having a miscarriage. Miscarriages are not something people usually talk openly about, especially not men. This leads me to my first lesson on loss. People often love to step out of their lanes and to ask you inappropriately if you are pregnant, as if it's a game. They are shocked and excited when they're correct. They want to be the ones who knew first. But when you have to then come back to that same person or group and make a new announcement that the joy you were looking forward to is no longer viable, it's devastating. Let people share their life news on their own timeline. Don't try to steal their moment. You don't know what they're going through. In our logo for Hoosier Heritage Homestead, we chose to remember our sweet baby in the form of the butterfly between sunflowers three and four. This is the order of the birth order for our children. If you ever lose someone close to you, you never forget details leading up to and following the funeral. And this is where we start our actual discussion of lessons learned through loss. I remember my dad standing at a graveside a few years later, making the comment, I wish someone would write a book on etiquette for people attending funerals. He had been through enough by this point to tell about good and bad experiences he had been through while being on both sides of the visitation line. That idea stuck with me. Couple that with our own experiences as a counselor in the mental health field, both of us being public educators, and Elizabeth's early career in higher education, we want to share some helpful things to do and not to do when dealing with loss. First, the do's. Do go to the visitation and funeral for as many friends and relatives as possible. The greatest present you can give the family is your physical presence. Do share gifts of food. Immediately, the family will have needs to feed a growing number of relatives who are gathering at their house. A deli meat tray, don't forget the bread, cheese, and disposable condiments. 
disposable metal container of a casserole. Pre-baked is good, but so is frozen, so they can use it when they need it. Or a crock pot meal works wonderful. Make sure to mark your crock pot and lid so they eventually get back to you. And if you don't feel comfortable preparing a meal, send a gift card to a restaurant. Another great thing to do is set up meals for the family for a period of time. Meal train is a wonderful tool for this. One word of advice, though, is to coordinate this effort with the family and or the church of the family may belong to. If you must speak with a family member, try to make it one that is not dealing with all the funeral arrangements. It can be too much burden for one person to make all the decisions. Do offer to take on responsibilities for coworkers at your work and friends and family at their home. When someone passes, at least in my area of the country, family and friends gather in one location. You can offer to clean up the house before everyone comes over or mow the lawn or get the mail. Any little thing that can take something of insignificance off the bereaved party. Talk, do talk to small children at their level. You don't have to give any graphic details, but convey the big, broad issues that's going on. Talk about why you're sad about the loss of someone, about what that person meant to you, or tell them stories about your relationship. Let them know how much that person meant to you and convey your sadness. Do acknowledge to yourself that the person suffering is now at peace, but don't say that out loud. That is a realization that's best when it comes from the bereaved family left behind. When you try to say it first, it feels like an overused and sad cliche. And finally, do tell stories. Tell positive stories about the deceased. Family and friends heal when hearing things that their loved ones did, especially when someone tells a story about a loved one that passed when this person is a coworker or a friend outside the family. It kind of lets the family in on what their loved one was like when they weren't looking. It can round out their view of their loved one. I remember hearing stories about my brother from a few girls who really liked him, and I'd hoped maybe they would go out sometime, which for me was great because he was very shy, and I don't remember him going on hardly any dates. But it gave me hope that if I followed his example of being, being myself, then girls would like me too. Here are the don'ts. Don't say any of the following cliches. God just needed more angels. Or, God needed them more than you did. Or, God, I tell you what, don't assign any attributes to God's actions, inactions, or character. You don't know the motives of the Almighty, and pretending you do only serves to distort, confuse, and anger a grieving person. Don't expect the family to comfort you. Don't get it twisted. You need to be there for them, not the other way around. Making a casket scene all about you is narcissistic and hurtful to the family. Don't put new expectations on a member of the deceased family. For example, don't tell the son that he is now the man of the house. That's a ton of pressure at a very vulnerable time. Don't compare a loss in your life to the recent deceased family. Don't say, I know what you're feeling. I lost a distant cousin when I was 12. Every loss is unique. Also, some relationships are closer than others. 
it's not a game of who lost more, how well the person is holding up versus how well you held up. Remember this. Loved ones of the, of the deceased are not firing mentally on all cylinders. Little comments that are meant to be in jest or empathetic are often not received well and can lead to emotional harm to the recipient. This can lead to anger, resentment, or a quiet hardening of their heart toward the offender. And don't sneak mementos into the casket unless you are explicitly invited to by the family. Sadly, Losing loved ones is a universal part of life, and we all grieve in different ways. In psychology, we go through a cycle of grief. As Dr. Caitlin Stanaway from the University of Washington puts it, persistent traumatic grief can cause us to cycle, sometimes quickly, through the stages of grief, which are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. These stages are are our attempts to process change and protect ourselves while we adapt to a new reality. While there are consistent elements within each stage, the process of grieving looks different for everyone. Recently, our society has thrown shade on the ideas of sending thoughts and prayers when something tragic happens, but we strongly disagree. We believe in lifting each other up in prayer not as some sort of a magical conjurance of miracle wizardry, but the power of prayer can make the weak feel lifted and keeps soft the heart of the one doing the praying. Pray for the family left behind, that they will be strengthened and comforted. Pray for the loved one that died, that they will be received well into eternity. Pray prayers of thanks for time you had with the loved one and appreciate the memories you have of them. Pray for yourself to process your emotions and be restored to joy. Pray elaborately when words, with words when you have them and silently when you don't. Pray because it helps. We leave you this week with three of our favorite portions of Scripture that have helped us in times of loss. The first is Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8, with the headline of A Time for Everything. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. There's a time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Next is Lamentations 3.22-24. through 24. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. And finally, Psalm 94, 19. When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. Great is your faithfulness.